Oh, friends, happy October to each and every one of you. We are in the middle of our series. Uh, it's a three-month series with a, a different emphasis on each month of uh Oh, that's left in this year. Yeah, there's only that much time left in the year. Uh, how many of you are listening to Christmas music? Let's just be honest. There's a couple. Yeah, okay. We're just going to, you guys saw those hands that went up here. I don't know anyone online. We're going to just have a prayer time later on and invite you to be part of that. Um, there's been sort of a, something, something's been going on in our church, and I think I should really address it uh, today. And... Um, we we don't get we don't get to always get a lot of feedback on our messages, but last week, Pastor Aaron did this. We got a lot of feedback. There was a lot of controversy around some of these emojis that she chose. Some people just weren't happy with some of the choices that that Pastor Aaron made. Um, there was some talk about Manasseh and this uh, this uh, neutral face. Uh, really should have been a, a, a Aaron. I, I did. Aaron and I talked a lot. We prayed through it. She's gonna. She said she's she's confident to stick to her answers. But I just want you to know that you can email Aaron E R I N at freedomkw.com at any time if you want to talk about just how you felt about this last week or any other changes that you thought should have been made. I just it was a lot this week, right? There's a few few people who felt. Like that Josiah shouldn't have had the happy... There was just a lot, you guys. And I, I feel like unity in the church is a really big deal. And um, I want to make sure that we're all comfortable. So please, just feel free to reach out to Erin at any time. Her cell phone number is... I'm just teasing. I actually, of course, have her cell phone number, but I don't have it memorized because it's in my favorites. So I, I literally don't even know if it even starts with 519 or 226. So it just says Erin in my phone. So that's all I know. Aaron's cell phone number is Aaron Jameson in my phone, so if you want to know. So guys, yeah, like just be in unity, okay? Just be in unity together as we work through this series. Um, it's <laughs> that actually was, I actually, we actually heard a lot of, we did have some people say, I don't know if I agree with that, which was, you know, in funny, but we also had a lot of people who were like, that was so interesting and helpful, so more emojis, I think. More emojis is in the future, perhaps, for Pastor Aaron. So if I was hiring for a position at this church right now, who would want to work for me, first of all? Everybody would want. <laughs> Guys, too slow. Much, much too slow. If I was hiring for a position at the church and I was interviewing you, what's the worst thing about being interviewed for a job? It's those two questions that everybody struggles to answer, which is, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? So there are two kinds of people in the world. There are those who just, who, who just can't find themselves anything good to say about themselves. Like, you know, strengths is, is a difficult one. And then there are people who find that they're, my weakness is I just work too hard. Sometimes I just stay too late and I care too much. Like there are also people who, who play it like that. But understanding your own strengths and weaknesses as maybe one thing when you, when you look in the mirror. But it's another thing to, uh, to have to communicate it to somebody else. When somebody, if you were interviewing for a job and you had to, like, say, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses, how many of you would struggle to come up with a list of your strengths in that, in, if I was interviewing you for a job today? A few. How many of you would uh, find it difficult to come up with a list of your weaknesses? <laughs> Anybody? You're like, no, everybody, like, there's, like, no hands. <laughs> It's like, no, there's a lot of things I know that I'm weak in. 
And I think that that's the majority. I mean, I know that in a job interview, you prep for those things and you figure out you already have those answers combined. But the truth is, sitting in front of another person and telling them what you're good at is a very small percentage of the pop. And those people that do, can do that really well, we usually, they're kind of annoying, right? <laughs> that's kind of how our culture works. We always like to, we like to beef up our weaknesses and we like to play down our strengths, right? That's just how, how it is. And it is a little easier to do that in, in front of other people. Um, and I wonder why that is, you know, is it because, you know, we really do have a poor self-image? I think that that's probably fair in a lot of ways, but also we're really concerned about what we look like, like, or how other people will perceive us, right? So there's some combination of that, maybe depending on your personality. So in general, though, if someone was to ask you, and there wasn't a job on the line or a salary, but you had to answer honestly, what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? Um, how honest do you think you can be with yourself about that? Like a, an honest assessment. We've actually talked about this quite a bit in the last little while about who we are and how we perceive ourselves. And I want to take you this morning into a, a really well-known story in scripture that we find in Exodus chapter 2 and 3. So you can turn there now. We're not going to, uh, because I love uh, my husband, Rob, who is our creative ministries director, and he puts all of these slides together for us for Sundays, and our scriptures are very extensive today. I asked, I told him he could just put the reference up for you to, instead of having to format all of it. So I do want you to, there's Bibles, actually, if you don't have one with you and you'd like one and you don't have access to um, the Version app or something like that, you can grab the Bible from the seat pocket in front of you. There's probably some there, but you can grab the Version app. Um, these scriptures are in, the, in, in their fullness there. Um, so we are going to pick up in uh, Exodus 3, so you can just kind of get your finger in there while we talk about how we got to that place. So there's a very well-known story in Scripture we find in Exodus 2, 3, and 4. And it's the story of, if you're already there, you can already see, it's the story of Moses. So if you're new to church or you didn't grow up going to Sunday school or anything like that, this might be a brand new story for you, but some of you will be familiar, even if you didn't grow up in church, probably familiar with the name Moses. And this is the story of Moses before he became Moses. Like, do you know what I mean? So this is like the, the origin story, if you will. So Exodus 2 tells the story about where Moses came from. He was born into a Hebrew family. Um, and then, he, he, like literally upon the day of his birth, he was given a death sentence because the Pharaoh wanted to control the population of the Hebrews. So Hebrews, Israelites, Jews, uh, those are interchangeable terms for that people group, okay? Just so that you know that as we go forward. So he was born into a Hebrew family and, and uh, the Pharaoh wanted to control the population. So all of the, all of the uh, babies were being killed. Um, and so... That, that was what the, the, they were supposed, it was supposed to happen because the Israelites were becoming so strong as a nation and, and the Pharaoh didn't want that. So his mother hid him at her home for uh, three months. Tried to, and you can imagine if you've had a baby in your home, that was about as long as she could hide him successfully. And literally it was like, I, I can't hide him here anymore. I'm gonna, we're going to get caught. So she put him in a basket. She floated him down the Nile River. And uh, there he was discovered by the Pharaoh's daughter who saw this baby in this basket and then realized, oh, I can't. Like, I'm not going to send him to his death. And so she adopted him and she raised him as her own son. Very cool story in Exodus 2. And, and so literally he grew up in the palace. And then one day Moses, and when he was an adult, many years later, he just, um, he Came, came upon a, an Egyptian slave master beating a Hebrew, and he killed the Egyptian because he, so, he was so angry. And then people found out about it very, in very short order, including the Pharaoh who found out that he had done that. So Moses fled to Midian, 
which is like far away and in the desert. And uh, he met and married his wife Zipporah, and he stayed there for a long time. Okay, that's the general thing that's going on here. He was born, a, so listen, he was born a Hebrew, but he only knew the life of a prince of Egypt. And I'm trying to stop myself from singing all the songs from that movie. Every time, every time I came across this in my notes, I was like, who knows what miracles? Do you know this movie? Prince of Egypt? Oh, you can't. Great music in that. Anyway. So he became the Prince of Egypt. Okay, this is where this comes from. Uh, and he, that's how he lived. That's how, that was his only life that he knew. And then he had to leave everything because of his mistake. He was exiled for his crime. He had to start over. And um, he literally says about himself, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. So here he is. Uh, we're going to pick this up in Exodus chapter 3. He's trying to build a new life, literally. He's trying to come to terms with being a shepherd, shepherding his father-in-law's sheep after a life of living in the palace and being raised by royalty. You can only imagine what kind of identity crisis he was facing, right? Just think about what that would have been like for him. So let's pick up in Exodus 3, and we are going to read a giant chunk of scripture this morning, and so I hope you really enjoy that. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to taking you all the way through this story because there's just so much, and we'll pause along the way. Exodus 3, starting at verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. So literally, if this is a new story for you and you've heard about the burning bush experience, like in that, this is this, this, is this story, this is where it comes from. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. And here's the beautiful thing I don't want you to miss. God doesn't generically call him. He calls him by name. Moses, Moses. I, I have this, this favorite album of, uh, uh, of Fred Hammond, and there's these little sermonettes that pop up. There's this woman in his background vocalist who comes and does like little mini preaches all the way through the album. And she does a, a piece on this and she's like, I have called you by name and I know who you are, Moses. I know who you are, Sally. I know who you are, Rachel. So just insert your name. Like I just, every time I read this, I'm like, he called him by name, his personal name. And Moses says, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this moment, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So what God is saying here in 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 verse 6 specifically is he's saying, I'm not somebody brand new. I'm I'm identifying myself as the God of your fathers, uh, of your forefathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the God that you you have heard about. I'm, I'm that God. I am the same one. And what's going to happen here is that I'm revealing myself in a new way. I'm going to show you something new about myself. And, um, and, and certainly this is, is what's going to happen. It's, um, uh, it's, it's going to be really, really incredible. But you have to understand that he, he is identifying himself to Moses by, by saying, this is, this is who, who's talking to you from this burning bush right now. Um, this is the God of your, of your fathers. And I'm going to give you a new revelation. Um, 
of myself, but I'm still, the same, I'm still the same one that your people have known for generations. Verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Here's the question, who am I? Here's the answer, verse 12. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship, the God, worship God on this mountain. So listen, uh, uh, Abraham, no. Moses says, uh, who am I? that you would want me to do this. And listen to what God's answer is. He doesn't exactly respond how you think he might. He says, um, I will be with you. Who am I? <sighs> Wrong question. Here's the right answer, though. I will be with you. Verse 13, Moses said to God, Okay, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. Probably in all caps in your Bible. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Moses asks, what is your name? I, I got to tell them something, God. Like, I, I see you, and I know you're the God of my forefathers, but what are we supposed to call you? Who, who should I tell them sent me? And the answer is, I am who I am. If you have time, we don't have the time this morning. We have talked about it in the past before, but this revelation of the name of God is going to stay now. This is something brand new. It's like the English translation, I am who I am, is the best we can do. For this, this is where we get the name Yahweh or Jehovah. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's not a generic name for God. It's a specific, I am, I, I am who I, I am in the past. I am in the present. I am in the future. I am who I am. I encompass all things. It's just such a big and weighty name for God that this is the best English translation we can, we can have. But um, this is the name, this is the revelation of God now. It's like I am literally everything. That's who I am. And so that's a really interesting study on, on this name for God here. So sacred became this name for God that in the Hebrew language, they don't even spell it all out. They only use the consonants, not the vowels. Because it's just, and whenever you see this or it's being referred to in Scripture, it's almost always, I think, uh, I would think I should say always. You see in verse 14, I am who I am, all in caps probably in your Bible. Same thing when you see the word Lord in your Bible, all in caps. This is, this is the name for God that's being used here. So there you go. So let's turn over to, um, to chapter 4. Let's just read a little bit more about this. So God does tell him a few more things about what he wants to do. And then Moses answered, verses, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? What if they don't believe me? What, then what am I supposed to do? Verse 2, Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, 
throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took the hold of the snake and turned it back into a staff in his hand. I know for some of you, I'm not going to name names. I know you're in the room, how you feel about snakes. How much faith this would have taken. Just, I'm looking at you. Yep, I am looking at you. I know how you feel. Uh, but just can imagine what kind of faith this took for Moses. Uh, this Verse 5, this, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous, and it had become white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said... If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water from the river will become blood on the ground. So Moses says, what if they don't believe me? And what if they don't listen to me? Okay, that's cool. I believe that you are, I am who I am. And I can see clearly I'm in the middle of a miraculous moment right now. But no one is here with me. And what if they don't believe me that this is actually what happened? They're going to think I'm crazy. And so God gives him three miraculous signs that he can perform so that people will understand that he is actually speaking for God. He has been sent by God. So he gives him these miracles as a response. Verse 10 Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you and will teach you what to say. Moses says, I am not well spoken. I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't get up in front of people. How many feel like that with Moses? Please, Lord, anything but public speaking is what I'm asking for. Almost anything. I'll clean the toilets. I'll sweep the floors. I'll, I'll mow the lawn. Like whatever you need me to do for the kingdom except for speaking in front of people. This is what Moses has said. And, and God's answer is, who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? I'm going to help you. So Moses has been fully convinced. In verse 13, Moses says, pardon me, pardon your servant. Please send someone else. <laughs> Wait, he wasn't exactly fully convinced, was he? It's like the, the miracles and, and all of God's answers to all of his questions. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Famously, you often hear preachers say, here am I, Lord. Send Aaron. This is what's going to happen next. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and said, uh, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hands so you can perform the signs with it. See, God is angry in verse 14. Moses took it like just a little too far. After all of his queries and all of God's uh, beyond, like beyond, his answers were beyond what was necessary. And, and, and God is angry, but he still says, okay. Um, he still speaks patiently to him and he still provides him with everything he needs. And he's already in the middle of providing an answer because Aaron is already on his way. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty remarkable to see the back and forth between God and Moses here. 
And I feel like every time I read this passage of scripture, I see myself in it. Just like I have every reason to feel like Moses. I have every reason to understand that I don't have what it takes to do the things that God might be calling me to do. And so in this, uh, this is what we're calling this series in these next few months, our season of hope here at Freedom. And in this month, we're talking about reconciling the past. Because as I said earlier, Moses' issues were super complex. The prince of Egypt, the, the Hebrew face with the royal Egyptian clothing, a life in the palace where his biological family was, uh, while he was like living, living large, his biological family was breaking under the oppression of the Egyptians and breaking under the oppression of his adopted grandfather, who, by the way, wanted him dead the day he was born and wanted him dead after he found out that he had just killed an Egyptian man. And so there's Moses, racked with guilt and fear and also also deeply affected by the injustice that he had witnessed against his people and he's dressed as a prince and he ran away and this is the this is the Moses that we see here and so we we talked a couple weeks ago about the fact that we have hope no matter what we have done in the past we talked about that from the life of David we talked last week about the fact that we have hope no matter where we've come from and that was uh, from the story of Josiah and today we have hope no matter who we are And we see it here so beautifully laid out in the life of Moses. Moses' uh, life is a fascinating study because of where he started and where he ended up. And he was quite literally a hot mess. Like literally a hot mess if if there is a definition for that term. I'm just going to take it here. He was only alive because of a miracle um, on the Nile River. And now his life had become an agonizing set of consequences because of all of his faults and bad decisions. And Moses had learned to distrust himself so thoroughly that he was willing to stand in front of that burning bush and listen to the voice of I am who I am revealing himself to Moses. And he was willing to stand there and say, I hear you and also no thank you. <laughs> like that's, that's a deep, deep mistrust, distrust for yourself. And yet, here's what's so crazy about Moses, and this is why we know his name, he's become so famous. He has become arguably the best leader the Israelites ever had from this moment to that. Listen to Deuteronomy 34, 10 to 12. Since then, since Moses' death, that's the the context here, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, the Pharaoh and to all his officials and to the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Same Moses. And that's quite a different picture than what we have here in these first chapters of Exodus, isn't it? So you have to ask yourself, what happened to Moses? Because it wasn't just the appearance of God in the burning bush. You saw his reaction to that. So what happened to Moses? What decisions did he make? What happened next that made him say, that, that made this to be true about him at the end of his life? It's interesting that in all of the times that Moses says something negative about himself to God, God does not tell him that he's wrong. Did you notice that? When you look through it, you go like, oh, but God, I, I, I'm slow of speech and I'm not eloquent. God doesn't say, oh, yes, you are. You're so great. You're the, you're be fine. He's just like, I made your mouth. 
He doesn't tell him that he's wrong. So it's very possible that Moses was like stumbling, stuttering mess. We don't actually know because the scriptures don't really show him speaking that way. But this is literally, like God doesn't say, no, you're fine. He literally just responds to him with like, it's not about that. God doesn't tell him he's wrong. Moses may have been unqualified. He may have been a poor speaker. He may have had no leadership qualities. We don't actually know. But God makes something perfectly clear. That is absolutely not the point. Our giftings, our skills, or our total lack of them is not what God is looking for. He has gifts to give. We've talked about that in September, how he empowers the body. Uh, He has the Holy Spirit to empower each one of us um, and do miracles among us and do things in us and through us that we could never have done on ourselves. So he is not uh, looking for a superstar that he can work for. He is looking for a willing person to work with him. And honestly, I wish I understood this better. I wish that in my everyday life, I really, really understood it in a practical way. Because I can see how this is not my default position uh, too often. The default position inside of me looks for the most talented person or the most impressive person to listen to or to replicate. But what I need is to be trained to look for the person who is the most willing to listen to God. The one who is most cooperating with the Holy Spirit. The one who is the most reliant on God in everything they need. That's the person I should be looking for to emulate. This is what scripture teaches us. Because the truth of the matter is, status is really difficult to maintain with integrity. Status is really difficult to maintain with integrity. It seems like very few can do it. How many stories do you know of people who have, for lack of a better term, fallen from grace? rose to a certain level of prominence or power and to be found out that there was something really dark happening behind the scenes, behind closed doors. But we read in scripture, not just in, in the life of Moses, but over and over again, that as a, while status is difficult to maintain with integrity, godliness is not only sustainable, but it grows deeper and stronger and more stable with every step we take into God's word, with every time we obey his commands, with every time that we choose his will over our will, with every time we look for his way instead of our way. And so godliness is not just sustainable, it's possible and grows deeper and stronger every single step we take. So um, I, I, read something interest, I, I read something interesting while I was studying this passage. Um, in Exodus 3.5, uh, you may have noticed this phrase that uh, Moses comes to uh, Mount Horeb, which is another name for Mount Sinai. Has anybody ever heard of Mount Sinai? Same mountain, two different names. Nobody's, ner- nobody's really sure why. Um, so he's there. Let's just call it Mount Sinai because it's a little bit more of a famous name. In Exodus 3.5, this is where Moses is with his father-in-law's sheep. And God says to him when he sees the burning bush, God says to him what? Can you see it in your scripture there in, in, in verse 5? Do not come any closer. This is holy ground. You see it? It's like, that's where, Moses, that, that, that's where Moses' heart was at the time. He could, that's, that's like the intimacy that Moses was capable of with God at that time was there. To see God and to hear his voice. But if you, if you can, or you can just trust me, but you should probably look for yourself because it's interesting. You can underline it. In Exodus 19, so many chapters later, if you flip over to Exodus chapter 19, Moses comes back 
to Mount Sinai, just like was promised, by the way. Moses comes back to Mount Sinai, and he has a very different experience with the same God. And it says in uh, chapter 19, verse 20, the Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Do you remember what Deuteronomy said about Moses? It said that, that no prophet had risen in Israel like Moses who knew the Lord face to face. You see the difference? See what happened in the life of Moses between that first encounter with God and then the years that passed and he became the, one of the greatest, the greatest perhaps leader that Israel ever had. So what happened to Moses? Like what happened to the guy who was standing in front of the burning bush, shoes off, having the name of God revealed to him as I am who I am, having every question answered, every objection he had to this calling answered by God, and then having the audacity to say, pardon me, please send somebody else. What happened to that guy? How do you reconcile the truth of who you have been in the past to the reality of who you are today to your hope of who you might become in the future? How, how do you even have hope for anything different in your future than what you are right now? How do we maintain that idea that we can be people of hope? I love Moses' story for this very reason. Because it seems to me that Moses did three very simple, difficult, albeit difficult, but three very simple things. He humbled himself. He asked for help. And he stepped out in obedience. Really simple. Not super easy to do all the time, but pretty simple. And I honestly think it's no different for us today when you just break it down like that. Because if you would say to me today, I'm just not good enough. I'm just not capable. I just don't have what it takes. I'd say, okay, great. So are you ready to move forward then? Because that's the story of Moses right here. Are you ready to move forward into a life of hope, regardless of where you came from, how mixed up your background was, what kind of identity issues you had in your family of origin, no matter where you find yourself today, but are you ready to move into a future of hope because there is so much hope in the future with this God that we are talking about this morning. And so here are the three things that we need to do constantly because if we want to, to live as people who uh, walk in godliness in a sustainable way that goes deeper and stronger all the time and not be people who chase after a status that is so that crumbles so easily, that can't be sustained with integrity, we could literally just look at the life of Moses. First of all, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Uh, we've talked about this uh, quite a bit in the last little while because, honestly, it's all over Scripture, so we're not going to stop talking about it ever. <laughs> so just uh, humble yourself because it's the beginning of a relationship with God. There, there are, there are two, two kinds of sides of this when I think about humbling yourself. There are some of us who think we are doing fine on our own and we don't really need the help. I mean, maybe you think, like, Jesus is cool and, like, the whole idea of the gospel is cool, but really saying like I am a sinner and I need to be forgiven and I can see, um, I can see that my life is, is a mess and I can really get down to the heart of that and have a, a, a repentant heart like that. 
Um, there are some who, who, do that, who just feel like, I'm, I'm fine, I, I try to be a good person, and so there is a need for us to humble ourselves, get a picture of who God really is, and then see ourselves in light of that. And not to smash us into the ground or to like grind us under like the heavy hand of God, but to be honest about really who we are in light of who has created us. And there are some of you who feel like, um, I, I am so worthless. I have no value. I, 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 doesn't, I, I, can never, I could never move. I, I totally do recognize how pitiful I am. And I would say even in that space, when you humble yourself, it really just means you understand who you are in light of who God is. It doesn't mean that, like I said, it doesn't mean you crush yourself under somebody's heel. It's, it's that you understand who you are in light of, God, uh, light of who God is. And, uh, and so you humble yourself by saying, all of those things are may, maybe true. Maybe you are bad at speaking like, like Moses. Or maybe you, maybe you have made so many gr- grievous errors in your life. And, and you just think that that's all there is. But humbling yourself says, I also recognize that God has provided a way for me. And if I bring my life to him humbly, he can meet me in this place where I feel worthless too. So regardless of how you approach it, like Moses, we need to humble ourselves. Secondly, ask for help. So in our context, in, in Moses' context, I mean, I mean, he was just like, send somebody else. And so God sent him Aaron. And uh, mostly that was a good combination. There was a rocky, I mean, can you imagine doing ministry with your brother like that? Like there's some rockiness. You can read through Exodus, find out some of the dumb things that Aaron did and some of the issues that happened. But uh, he asked for help and God said, okay. I'm still calling you. I've still chosen you, but I'm also going to send you what you need in order to fulfill the calling I have on your life. Ask for help. So in in Moses' life, we see it there. And in our lives, um, we we do sometimes need to ask for help in the form of like somebody or people or whatever it is. But at the very base of it, every day we ask for help. And who do we ask for help from? Jesus. Jesus. When you humble yourself and understand who, who you are in light of who God is, the next thing to do is say, Jesus, I need your help. I need to live under your care, under your direction, because I don't have what it takes. I need help. I need wisdom. I need direction. And more than that, and before even that, I need forgiveness. I need to be made right. I can't, I can't, I can't make up for my faults and weaknesses on my own. I, I need you. I need to ask for your help every day. And of course, help comes, like, that's the base of it, the forgiveness and grace that we find uh, through Jesus from what he did for us on the cross. But also, we just sometimes just need to ask people for help. And you need to be in a place of humility. You need to be, have humbled yourself to be able to do that. And the third thing is to step out in obedience because as many objections as Moses had to the calling that God was putting on his life, he did humble himself. He did ask for help. And you know what he did after that? He went to the Pharaoh. He went to the people first and said, hey, everybody, I know, okay, I know I have a bit of a spotted past. I know I'm sort of like living off my father-in-law here and trying to make a life for myself. I know you all know what happened and why I'm here. But I just met um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in a burning bush. I promise you that happened. 
Like you can imagine how self-conscious he would have felt, and yet he chose to step out in obedience, and then he went from there to the Pharaoh, and he went, like he continued to do the thing that God had asked him to do, even though he started with so many objections. He stepped out in obedience, and so for us, the, once we've humbled ourselves and we've asked for the help that we need from Jesus and from whatever else that we need, um, we, we, we step out in obedience. We don't have all the answers. We don't always know how it's going to end. We don't um, always feel like we are fully equipped to do the thing that God is asking us to do, but we take that first step and then we take the next one. And sometimes that's a very specific call. Maybe you have God is speaking to you about something and you haven't followed through on it. I'm telling you that God is asking you today, okay, you've humbled yourself. Okay, um, I've forgiven you and I've redeemed you and I've given you a, a life and a hope and a future. Will you follow me to what's next? Will you do the next thing? Will you step out in obedience? So maybe that's a specific thing in your life he's asking you. Maybe that's just like you need to surrender your life to Christ and say, yeah, I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I'm going to follow you. Not follow me or ask you to bless the thing that I'm doing. I'm going to follow you. That's why no matter who you are, uh, it doesn't matter. Your past can be wiped clean. Your future can be full of hope. Um, I believe this with every fiber of my being because I've seen it and I've lived it and I continue to live under it. The formula is super simple, but it's super powerful. A life surrendered to Jesus is one that has, I love this from the old hymn, strength for today, and what's the next one? And bright hope for tomorrow. I have actually said this in conversation and in prayer a few times in the last couple of months. I don't know why. It just starts, started coming to me. Maybe COVID did this to me. I'm like, strength for today? And bright hope for tomorrow, friends. That's the promise that we live under. Do you want me to sing that one too? Okay, no. <laughs> sort of becoming my shtick. I don't know if I want to lean that far into it. Um, a life surrendered to Jesus is one that has strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And so I'm calling us to this kind of humble repentance today. And I'm just trusting that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you on one of those points or maybe all of them. Have you humbled yourself? Have you asked for help? And are you ready to step out in obedience? Maybe that's the first time you've responded to Christ that way. Awesome. Let us help you. Ask for help. Ask us for help. We'd love to, we'd love to do that with you. Um, literally, just send us a message to say, I, I, I want to respond to that Jesus thing you were talking about. Can you walk me through that? Yeah. The answer is yes. Always yes. Always yes. But maybe God has been putting his finger on something maybe more specific. Maybe there's a calling in your life. Maybe there's a decision that you're struggling to make. Or maybe he's asking you to do something and you're just not, you just haven't trusted him to, to step out in it. I just got an email. Did you guys hear that? I want to turn that off. So I'm calling you to that kind of humble repentance today and tomorrow, just as, as followers of Christ, so that we can... Um, get into a life of hope and promise and freedom. I'm going to read this for you, and then I'm going to ask you, has there been a time in your life when you have had to humble yourself and ask for help? I'd love to hear that story, just a few of them around the room. Just to be reminded today that just like we're reading about the life of Moses and we can see ourselves in it, can you guys see yourself in this life of Moses? I hope you can. That this is for all of us. And we are all living this out every single day. So I'm going to ask you this in just a moment. I'm going to read this, uh, this beautiful scripture from James and then pray for you. Um, 
But let me ask you this. Has there been a time you've had to humble yourself, ask for help, and then what was the result of that? James 4, 6 to 10 says this. But he gives us more, say it with me, grace. That's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Here's the obvious result. Submit yourselves then to God. (laughs) If that's true, then that's your next most logical thing. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Here's that that humble yourself piece. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Because if you do that, what does it say? Let's say it together. He will lift you up. That's the promise in Scripture. When we find ourselves in the right position before the Lord in humility, that he will come from that place and lift us up. So Lord Jesus, we are listening to the call of your spirit this morning. And as simple as this message is, um, and as many times as we've heard it in its various forms, we just want to come back to the beginning again today. And we want to humble ourselves in front of you We recognize the best that we can, um, our position in the universe, who you are as the creator, who we are as the created ones. And we want to recognize that that in that position you have, and from this lowly place, this is still a place that you call us. Not to put us under your thumb, not to punish us, but from this position we can understand how you empower us and how you speak to us and how you're calling us on to a life of hope and a future. So we humble ourselves before you. And we ask for help. We do what this scripture in James says, and we, we, we weep and we mourn and we wail and we consider the things in our lives that we are doing or have done that do not please you, that set up a wall of sin between you and, uh, you and us. And we ask Uh, in the powerful name of Jesus and through the work that he's done on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And as we ask for that forgiveness, we ask for help, we ask for a cleansing and to be made new. We trust that we literally have been purified and made righteous before Jesus so that we could stand in the presence of God. So we thank you for that incredible work that you do in our lives. Thank you that Jesus mediates this because of his work on the cross for us and we receive it from this humble posture. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us about stepping in obedience into the thing that you have for us. Maybe it's a very specific thing. I pray that um, the encouragement, that courage that comes, that encouragement from the Spirit would come on every heart that needs to uh, be brave to step out into what you're calling them to. They have, a, have had it in their mind or they've had it in their heart and now in, in this space and in this time they're like, I am humble enough and I'm ready enough to ask for help that I'm okay even though I don't have all the answers to step out in obedience and to do the thing you're asking of me. I pray for the person who is, is coming at it uh, not from having a relationship with you, but just brand new into trying to understand who you are. I pray for the courage to step out in faith and believe you are who you say that you are as we come to this place of humility and asking for help. 
Help us to know how to walk in your ways, to listen to your commands, and to be, to be free enough in, our, in the humility that we are sitting in to be able to trust that you will provide everything we need. We trust you for that. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to just today, tomorrow, as we continue on here, just put your finger on those things. We do humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God because we don't want to lift ourselves up. We want to be lifted up by you into the future that you have for us. So we commit ourselves to it and we trust you to show us the things in our lives that need to come under the authority of this scripture. And we pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen.